This is the Drive-In Podcast, episode 31, take one. Bada bing, bada boom. Welcome to the 31st episode of the Drive-In Podcast. On today's episode of the Drive-In, we have an express checkup with yours truly, Dr. Rowe. We have our much-anticipated review of the blockbuster smash, quote-unquote, Godzilla vs. Kong. And then we have our top billing of the greatest blockbusters of the 2010s. So use the bathroom now, grab your popcorn, and enjoy the 31st episode of the Drive-In Podcast. All right, Ricky Flex, 31st episode of The Drive-In. We're cooking now. 1,000 followers on Twitter. How are we feeling today? Kong bows to no one. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. I think that was a better performance than Rebecca Hall. Oh, definitely. Give me Alex Skarsgård and myself, and we'll demolish that movie with Kong. Let's go. Dynamic duo. I think we I think we should address, though, again, back-to-back weeks elephant in the room there's no nets here i don't know if you want to harp on that or me i'll, I'll hand it off to you so our boy nez he he's stuck in mexico he was in mexico he's stuck in mexico i think he is still there currently i don't know his he actual is. status he is there okay so we were thinking about having him review using his airpods using his mic on his airpods uh it, i mean it didn't seem like a very viable uh resolution to the situation so we decided okay uh he'll edit the pod and he'll be back on next week i also yes it's very sad that he's not with us but he does a killer job on the edits here i need to shout out that today i worked out first of all and uh why did i work out i'm trying to get a beach body right for this 2021 summer right vaccines out right we'll be hitting the beach tarps off but um (laughs) why am i doing that because nez texted me on friday morning along with some of our other friends that he that live concerts are happening outdoor concerts are happening what is the concert he sent us wait for it santana with earth wind and fire at jones beach new york beach trip with the boys gotta get a nice washboard abs for the older honeys at the show you know, older so honeys. I want to shout out that and, and shout Nez out to older honeys. Shout out to the older honeys. And then uh, Nez is always looking out for those uh, live shows. So I just got to give props where props are due. So although we miss you today, I want to thank you for that idea. I'm excited for that trip. Yeah, I'm going to say my my washboard abs are going to go in the the rear view mirror mirror since uh, I still have a broken back. So I'm going to put that to the side. But uh, Nez, hope you're doing well. Thank you. And uh, we miss you. That's all I'll say. Just uh, flex 24-7, you know, and then you'll just eventually have them. I think that's the way some people do that's it. That's the way to do it? Yeah, just like raise your hands, stretch out your abs, and then you just stretch, and then you flex, and you hold it for about 20 <laughs> minutes. Pause Dude, 10, do you see – uh, So did you see what the, the Kardashians do and like uh, Kylie Jenner and those people do for abs? They go yeah. like once every two weeks or something. My girlfriend uh, was telling me about this, and I like – looked at it on their story or something on instagram they like go every two or three weeks they go to this uh 
I don't know, physical therapy or something. And they put this machine on their abs and it just rubs their abs for 30 minutes. And it's like, you're doing like a 10,000 crunches or something. So it gets you washboard oh abs and it's like 750 bucks. It's actually not even that like terrible. I thought like, I know it's a lot of money, but still, uh, we can move it along here. Dr. O, can you please check us out with the latest movie news? Bringing you the latest news in the movie industry. This is the checkup with Dr. O. Dr. O, check us up. Some DC news. DC has canceled Ava DuVernay's New Gods movie and James Wan's The Trench series, a spinoff of Aquaman. Uh, DC has announced that the Supergirl movie is still confirmed to release on the Disney on the DC movie slate for now. She's set to appear in Andy Machete's The Flash, played by Sasha Call. Right, so that's where we're going to have a Supergirl movie still in place, introduced in the Flash. Darkseid and Apocalypse was said to be the main focus of New Gods. But due to the character's recent appearance in Zack Snyder's Justice League, the studio felt there's a strong chance for fan confusion as a result. R.I.P. New Gods. Moving on, Knives Out 2 and 3 are coming to Netflix after a $450 million deal was reached. Uh, over the rights to the franchise, Rian Johnson will return to direct the next two sequels, and Daniel Craig's Benoit Blanc is set to return as well with his silly accent. The sequel is set to be shot in Greece this June, and casting will begin immediately. Moving on, Space Jam, a new legacy trailer debuted. Right, one of the uh, one of a slew of trailers that was debuted over this past weekend. The trailer shows LeBron James scouring the Warner Brothers serververse to track down his missing son. Warner Brothers cameos in the trailer include the Mystery Machine from Scooby-Doo, White Walkers from Game of Thrones, King Kong, the Iron Giant, Yogi Bear, Flintstones, Batman and Robin, among many other Warner Media properties. Uh, they also introduced the Goon Squad in this trailer, who will be replacing the Monstars in the sequel. The Goon Squad will be voiced by Neka uh, Ugumike. I, I, I have trouble pronouncing that. I apologize to her. Ugumike. Uh, Diana Taurasi, Clay Thompson, Damian Lillard, and Anthony Davis. And then we also found out that Lola Bunny will be voiced by none other than the lovely Zendaya. Moving on, we have another trailer. A new Black Widow trailer debuted. The film with its 100th trailer, which it seems like, is set to appear, uh, it's set to release July 9th simultaneously in theaters and on Disney Plus Premier Access. Moving along with the MCU, we had another MCU trailer drop, and that was to Loki. Uh, the trailer focused heavily on the Time Variance Authority, known as the TVA, and Owen Wilson's character, Mobius M. Mobius. That, yes, that's his real name. It appears Loki's will be relied upon by the TVA uh, to kind of restore the time, uh, restore reality to its normalcy. Uh, someone relying on Loki seems like a solid concrete plan. Yep, that'll work. The series starring Hiddleston and Wilson is hitting Disney Plus June 11th. That is it for the Express Checkup today. A couple hiccups here. But Ricky Flex, what headlines caught your attention? You've just been checked up by Dr. O. This is a lot better than last week's uh, checkup, Dr. O. Um, Absolutely. I don't want to get too much into the details, uh, but I'll just do... I'll, I guess I'll just start with New Gods, I guess. I think that's a good one to start because the Snyderverse is still the best thing trending on social media. Sure, I think they are they are right saying like, oh, don't want to confuse the audience with the dark side character that was in the Snyder Cut. But let's be honest. They couldn't replicate that 
that character. It was too good in the Snyder Cut. Uh, Dark Side in the Snyder Cut was too good. Ray Porter did such a phenomenal job. They couldn't replicate that. Am I wrong, Dr. Rowe? No, I don't think they could. And, like, he was so menacing. And they, even though he had minimal screen time in that movie, like, I think there would be some fan confusion. But isn't this why the Flash movie is kind of, like, being made with its premise of introducing the multiverse? Is that you can have multiple characters, multiple people playing the same characters in a universe. So mm-hmm. it seems very contradictory that, like, they're planning yes. a Superman movie, apparently, that also will exist uh within the multiverse as Henry Cavill Superman, we're having Battenson play in the same universe as an Affleck or even a Michael Keaton that's supposedly going to appear in the flash. So it seems like, I think this is a good sign for actually those people who want to restore the Snyderverse that they don't want this to come out because they're, they could be like waiting it out. And we know that Ann Sarnoff, the CEO of Warner media has said that there will be no spinoff, but I mean, I think, I think the possibility is still there. I think the possibility is still there if they, if they ch- since they chose not to go ahead with this movie. Yeah, no. And another one that caught my eye was Knives Out, obviously. And uh, my first thought coming into this, besides uh, Daniel Craig's uh, Benet Blanc character returning as the only character coming back from that original cast, is that original content, original content for movies is getting paid. You get Tenet with a $200 million budget, and now Netflix is agreeing to a $450 million deal for two movies. So average, quick math, $225 million per film. Wow, that's awesome. More than Tenet, as in like paid for the, an actual deal, not necessarily budget, but still, that's awesome. I think just too many adaptations or relying on former films or franchises like superhero films or books or just loving to see remakes. This is big just for original content and not only that for Netflix. I think this is awesome. What do you think? I think it's great that they're not bringing back any other character, but Benoit Blanc, like you said, it's original content. You're not continuing like all these storylines that came off. You're not just following up with Alana de Armas picking off from the initial knives out movie. I think it's good. for She's Netflix hot right now. Like, not- she's very hot right now. Bond, she's going to be in bond deep water with Ben Affleck. Like that's not her not coming back. That's a big sign. Yeah, exactly. Right. And I think I like that Netflix is actually latching onto something that already has a first movie to it. Cause we know that Netflix is like, they've hopped on that train where they're creating these award season contenders where they have the hit TV shows, but what are they missing? Like we know with the gray man that they're trying to create like these James Bond type of franchise. Cause they don't have, they're trying to create it, but let's get a head start on that. Let's kind of, let's grab, knives out what what is the other film series that they have kind of recruited like this i can't think of one so and i think rian johnson coming on board is a great sign like he was the mastermind behind the first one i think he's getting a little bit of redemption because like honestly his he had a very polarizing star wars film his um planned trilogy in the star wars universe has kind of been set on hold it's kind of done uh, at least from what we know so I'm glad that he's getting this opportunity and what other place to give that opportunity than a streaming service. So it's kind of perfect with Netflix. And then Daniel Craig, I kind of find fascinating that he's like getting out of a franchise and now he's uh, with James Bond. Now he's sucked into two more movies as Benoit Blanc, <laughs> but less physically taxing role, less physically taxing, except for his jaws with that accent. <laughs> so true. So true. Oh my God. Great point. And again, <laughs> Again, Ryan or Ryan Johnson, Ryan Johnson, whatever. This is just like this isn't necessarily a second chance, but it's like, oh, he still gets a big like he still gets a big franchise technically. Like now, this is considered a big franchise. 
Oh yeah. Like this, besides Gray Man, this is Netflix's like expensive baby. deal, man. This yeah, is the. This is their second biggest thing going. So like this is his and this is big for him, especially like Netflix is now like they're one of the big players here going along with Warner Brothers or Universal. Like They're one of the big players. Right. I'm excited to see their next move. I don't know what's uh, like what they have up their sleeve, but I like that. They're not just saying, oh, let's just create everything from scratch also. Mm-hmm. But like and this is a good opportunity. This they works. Can kind of, they can kind advantage. of do that. You're bringing back one character. and You're bringing out one great filmmaker just combine them let's just keep it going and uh hopefully they can strike a strike lightning uh lightning lightning will strike twice excuse me or even three times with three movies no Um, right i i will i will say another headline that i did track my interest was space jam space jam obviously with the trailer um we'll get into thermometer uh predictors but i think first off the beginning was tough but overall positive reception positive trailer i thought lebron looks like he's going to be a better actor than mj we saw that in train wreck that he can act so i'm looking forward to that i do think the goon squad is a lot worse than the monsters i think it's incredibly worse don't like that concept at all especially diana tarasi just was done dirty done dirty with the look of her animated wife disrespectful just terrible arguably the greatest woman uh basketball player of all time one of the best basketball players of all time done dirty like that just terrible but lola bunny is looking like she's going to be the bona fide number two next to lebron the d way to lebron <laughs> she is the d way what, what do you think so uh, what is, is bugs like a chris bosh then is that what we're thinking bugs is the third he's going to be like the guy left out hey or he's like kevin love you can't you don't don't i'm fit thinking out, kevin love fit in or is it uh, don't fit in fit out which one was it don't fit out fit in yeah 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 yeah, yeah. i Let's think say, I don't think Bugs is going to be that good until he gets the secret sauce. They're going to, you know, they're going to do something with the secret water. You know, they're going to do something like that from the Michael Jordan version. I don't know what it is what it's going to be though. I don't know what it's going to be. So I mean, they like I like how they hit on this nostalgia in this trailer. Like they are they are going to do something like that. Like uh, they even had the initial Toon Squad jersey where I think Bugs is wearing it, and then like they if we look back, and then like he as he's morphing into more of a live action like. Bugs Bunny, and that's LeBron's turning back from an animated person back to a real person. He is wearing the jersey, uh, and they also have like the Space Jam song, the remix to it. That's what I, uh, that's what I like to see. That's what I like to hear. So I'm glad that they're still honoring the last movie, the Monsters, their Goon Squad. It is tough, Diana Taurasi. How could you do that? How could you? How you, you did her so dirty? How could you make her look like that? Looking like the terrible, ugly, like, terrible, like like, a, like an ugliest vulture. I know like, vulture. Like, great point. And like AD, like he like kept the unibrow, which I like. Damian Lillard, actually, and I didn't even know these people were voicing these characters until like did, they did the comparisons on uh, social media, and I thought it was uh they they actually matched up pretty well. But I still like the idea of like them not looking like other people, and I guess this was a way they can incorporate current NBA players and not have them be like alongside LeBron James or stealing their powers. So there is a little bit of creativity going on there, which I like, um, and I think it's a perfect premise for a movie. Uh, for a kid in the 21st century server, like server verse, like mm-hmm. little like, like cyber type of thing. And then you're going through all like these different uh, like fan favorite type of characters that Warner has established, which is such a deep catalog. And then um, you brought well, up go- Lola Bu- Oh, sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. Going to that though, deeper catalog, you're mentioning how the server kind of relates to these kids that are elementary school, middle school, whatever. But this deeper catalog with the Gandalfs, Game of Thrones references, Clockwork Orange references in this trailer 
it's still relating to people our age or older. Uh, like Clockwood Orange, what was that, 71, 72? Like, yeah. Like, they are, Gandalf was in this trail or uh, Iron Giant. Like, they're still connecting to all sorts of uh, age ranges. So it's still Wide connecting. for sure. Exactly. And Zendaya, uh, Zendaya is uh, voicing Lola Bunny, as you mentioned. So it's still referencing this, like, our age range. So very interesting trailer. Dr. Rowe, your Tomobinator predictor for Space Jam 2. So I'll, I'll, I think it's going to be good. Like, I do think it's going to be good. I think, I think people are like, people hail Space Jam like it's like a freaking Oscar winner. Like, as if it was that good. I'm like, I, I was actually watching Looney Tunes back in action last night a little bit. Dude, that movie does not hold up. J Man, it favorite. does not hold up. It does not hold up. Sorry, J Man. Like, J Man, it's like, we should do a review of that with J Man because I, I have a lot to say about it. We should. It. And I think it's, uh, before I give my scores, Zendaya voicing Lola Bunny, this like goes against what they were trying to do. Like Lola Bunny, they didn't want to sexualize her. What they do voice one of like the most, like the most, the best looking women <laughs> on planet earth with one of the most sexiest voices True. on Good planet point. earth to voice Lola Bunny. Like, what are we Good doing point. here? Good point. But I'm not going to hate on it. Cause like, obviously I love Zendel Bunny. So great combo. Um, oh man. So I'm going to go. I'm going to go with a 73% on Rotten Tomatoes. This movie will get a 73%. I think Space Jam, the original, is like in the 40s or it's like 30 it or something. It's, it's, a 40, it's, not, it's a 43. It's a 43. It's so it's so um, I think this is going to be a lot better than it. And people, I think the audience score is going to be low. The audience score is going to be low. The every think. common man hates LeBron James. The common man hates LeBron James. I don't know, they man. They don't want a sequel being made to this movie. They don't want potentially LeBron James to have something over Michael Jordan, which would be a better Space Jam movie, and that's pretty much it. I think the right? tide don't shifted. don't want to give him anything. I think the tide has shifted. What do you mean? I think that people were, like, I think it's the same thing like Kobe. It's, polar- it's Kobe, polarizing on Twitter. Like Kobe, RIP. He was the most hated person in the NBA, like, uh, like survey-wise. Like, on ESPN, they did the survey, the like, most hated person in the NBA. It was always Kobe, number one, even when he was not even in his prime anymore, and LeBron was... It was always Kobe Bryant. It's the same thing with LeBron, but everyone loves Kobe. Everyone loves LeBron. Like, I think this movie's going to do better than the Space Jam. I don't think I'm going to – personally, I don't think I'm going to like it as much as Space Jam. I don't agree with Rotten Tomatoes in that 43% score. But, again, I think it will be corny at times, especially the beginning of how they get there. But I think LeBron James' acting abilities, and they're just going to find a way with this catalog to do something decent – 65 for me is my thermometer predictor 65 65 i think a big thing with like looney tunes and the live and like in a and like like combining with live action i think that what's kind of done them in the past is that they have not had good animators actually incorporate them into a real life situation where i'm watching looney tunes back in action it's like they're you have the actors like trying to act with the animation and they're they're just doing such a poor job of it i don't know if it's the actor's fault it's probably in that case more of the animator's fault but it looks like they have a solid crew technology has advanced since 1996 with space jam and since looney tunes back in action and i think it actually looks phenomenal it looks kind of sweet uh, the acting is going to be terrible. It's like it's like you're going to have LeBron. What in the Matrix hell? Like it's it's so bad. Like that was bad. Like, like, that was bad. Don Don Cheeto was, was terrible in this trailer. Don Cheeto was yes. terrible. Uh, 
he, Terrible. Yeah, it's a money grab for him. But I was like, like after like speaking so highly about LeBron's actor. acting skills, that that was like his yes, and that was like the first time we hear LeBron say a legitimate line that's not to his son, and you're just like cringe. You're like, come on, dude, come on. Terrible. And but, his uh, son looks cringy see, too. Dude, oh, I, I made a joke in my blog. I can already see down the line, like when this movie drops, people are going to be at like, like digits at the board, ready to tweet. You're going to have Skip Bayless on Undisputed saying, LeBron will never make a superior movie uh, to Michael Jordan. He passed the ball late in the game to Tweety and didn't have the clutch gene to take it to the shot <laughs> on his own. Like I could see this happening. I could see this happening. You are nuts. <laughs> no, that's like, 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 what if LeBron does that? Like, Tweety gets the tap in. People are gonna be like, did LeBron make the right basketball play? All right, did he make the right basketball play? And that's what Skip will be. All right, well, all right. Final thing on this. Final thing on this. Yes or no? Just a yes or no from you, Doctor O. Does Bill Murray make an appearance in this movie? Yes no. or no? No, no, he doesn't. I he think wouldn't that's do a... that. He... Why? I think he would. I think he would honor Michael Jordan's movie, and he's an integrity I love guy. That. I that. If that is, if that's the case, I love that. I love that loyalty. Okay, <laughs> I, moving on. I, moving I, on. I, wait, I wait, made sorry. a joke. I made a joke that in my blog, Bill Murray. If he's not going to be the cameo, who is going to be the cameo in this movie? Who fits the mold for these young audience? Rich Paul. Who's going to be stepping in? I was going to say Rich Paul initially when I wrote the blog, but it's going to be Drake. It's going to be Drake. Oh, they're going to say Kevin Hart. Oh, oh, oh. Drake's a good one too. I was going to say Drake, but Kevin Hart is actually Kevin really Hart's good a good one. I think Kevin Hart, uh, it's got to be Vegas odds on this. I, Kevin, Kevin Hart's got to be the heavy. Oh my God. Vegas heavy. odds. Vegas odds. We should actually look this up at some point and tweet it out. And uh, holy crap. This Vegas odds. Poll. I'm going to write this down. This is a good poll. Cameo in LeBron's. This is inside the driving pods brains. Who cameo inside LeBron's space jam. Bill Murray cameo. Okay. And then also I want to throw it to you, Dr. Uh, Black Widow. Your thermometer predictor for Black Widow at this final trailer that was just released. It's, it's some same elements, but a lot of different footage. Thoughts? Uh, I think it's going to be a high score. It's a Marvel Cinematic Universe movie, and then it's on a female-centric character. We saw what happened with Captain Marvel. I believe that's hovering around like a 78% on Rotten Tomatoes, certified fresh, although I do not believe it's earned that score but that's how Rotten Tomatoes works, right? It's not up to us. It's the critics, what they think positive or negatively about the movie. I think it's going to be a lot better than that. I do like the action sequences. It's got like a Civil War feel to it, which I, I'm really digging. I think it's going to be a 90. I think it's going to be a 90%. Ooh, wow. I 90. 90. I, was thinking, I was even thinking about going higher. I think it's going to be a 90. There is some fatigue set from this movie. That's why I think the audience score will not be as good. But I think critically, it's going to hit all the points that like that they're looking for right it's got a female empowering empowering female figure it's black widows earned her time in the mcu scarlett johansson is a wonderful actress it's going to have that like soviet spy type of feel to it i think i can see a 90 percent. 90 is a high score and i'm not too far below it i'm i i went with 86 for my thermometer predictor so uh i like that i agree i'm just going to reiterate all the points you said um, or I'm going to agree with all the points you say. I'm not going to repeat what you said, but this latest trailer also just looks like a whole complete story. It looks like a story where we are, we already know the character. We already know black widow. We don't really need an origin story, but we kind of do. 
we we do understand where she comes from, her background, but we didn't ever got it. And this movie looks like it's going to go into that a little bit. And I do think Florence Pugh is going to absolutely nail it in this role. And, and this David Harbour latest trailer makes him look so much better than the prior trailers. It actually makes him look like a more uh, holistic uh, character. The prior trailers, trailers just made him look like a comic relief type, like Kevin Hart type. Uh, character right but this one made him look a lot better and made him actually go to his acting talents acting strengths and has a good villain the villain is good he like this villain is going to be a good villain if it's not i'll be shocked and i'll be the first to say it sick abilities but also just like the mystique factor around it is is through the roof so i think this is going to be a good movie uh, it does suffer from that Marvel fatigue, especially now that it's coming out a year later after WandaVision, after Falcon, the Winter Soldier. That does bring it down, but I think critically, which might drive down the audience score, but yeah. not the critic score. I think the critic score is going to stay at around 86. So 86 for me is my spectrometer predictor. Now, Dr. Rowe, last thing on the checkup was Loki. You wrote a blog today about it. This is Monday, uh, April 5th, so the day before this podcast releases. Just quickly, your thoughts on it. So uh, I do like the idea Loki's getting his own series. I don't think he was deserving of his own movie. He's already died three times in the, Mar- in the MCU. So it's like, okay, we got to figure, like, we got to just give him, like, one last hurrah, or you just got to find a way to incorporate him in a way that kind of is relevant to the future of the MCU. Time variance, time variance Authority, TVA, I think is a perfect way to do it. We knew right when he took that Tesseract, he, there was going to be something to follow up, right? Like with the the, the uh, god of mischief, he's going to be up to something. I loved Owen Wilson in this trailer. A lot of Owen Wilson. This is the second best uh, Owen Wilson duo potentially in the history of his film, right? His filmography. You have Vince Vaughn, you got Vince Vaughn and Owen Wilson, and now you have Tom Hiddleston and Owen Wilson. Ben Stiller, guy. Zoolander. Ooh, it, it, I think it has a chance to surpass it. I'll, I'll, I'll put that on the line. And then we have, he's playing a guy named Mobius M. Mobius. Like, I mean, the middle name's gotta be Mobius, right? This was just Trip Mob. Um, and then it's kind of like, it's interesting. I said in the checkup, he like, it looks like that the TVA led by Owen Wilson is looking to rely upon and trust Loki. And you know, that's just going to backfire. But I think there, it looks a little wacky. It's going to go in different directions you don't expect. So I'm excited to see it. And there's going to be, it's got to be some pretty good cameos, I think, set in story, especially with the cast looking kind of a little subpar other than Richard E. Grant and Owen Wilson and Tom Hiddleston. Yeah, I, 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 re- I think you, you hit the nail on the head, basically. I don't really have much to say in addition to it. But I will say is that I'm excited for Owen Wilson. I'm, I do think he is a good actor when he wants to be. Obviously, we know him for his comedy. Like, I do think he was great in Starsky and Hutch and Ben Stiller. I think that also is a great duo to go along with Zoolander. And obviously, Wedding, Wedding Crashers. Royal Tenenbaums, I thought he was really great as Eli Cash in it. That was a 2001 movie. I know Dr. Rowe, that's up that in movie. his filmography. Um, I like it. Don't love it. He's going to be in the French Dispatch. Again, another Wes Anderson film. So I'm really looking forward to that. He was just in Bliss, which is a prime video movie. Please don't watch it. It's not very good. I couldn't get through it. Um, Midnight in Paris. Oh, Midnight Paris is a great flick. Wow. Um, Point is, Owen Wilson, when he wants to be, is a great actor. And he's a great comedian when when he's doing a comedic role as well. I think for a Disney project, especially with Tom Hiddleston, a low-key project, the Jumpstart Disney Plus, he's going to go all out for this. So I have confidence in this project and in him. So I'm really excited to see it. 
Yeah, I'm praying for that recurring role. That's all I can ask for. Let's get let's get an established Owen Wilson in the MCU. Thank you, Feige. All right. That does it for the checkup and trailer roundup this week. Uh, we'll now move on to our review of Godzilla vs. Kong. All right, Ricky Flex. We are now moving on to our review of the highly anticipated Warner Media blockbuster. Right, we're gonna call it a blockbuster, even though it didn't really have oh, yeah. that stellar stellar of a performance at the box office. Godzilla vs Kong. All right, so Godzilla vs Kong currently sitting at a seventy five percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Critical score has a ninety three percent audience score. We'll go through the synopsis and then we'll go through the film. So here is the synopsis. Legends collide in Godzilla vs. Kong as these mythic adversaries meet in a spectacular battle for the ages with the fate of the world hanging in the balance. Kong and his protectors undertake a perilous journey to find his true home and with them is Gia, a young orphan girl with whom he has formed a unique and powerful bond. But they unexpectedly find themselves in the path of an enraged Godzilla, cutting a swath of destruction across the globe. The epic clash between the two titans instigated by unseen forces is only the beginning of the mystery that lies deep within the core of the earth. So this film made $48.5 million, uh this past weekend, the highest opening, win- opening weekend for any movie to debut in theaters during the coronavirus pandemic. Ricky Flicks, what was your knee-jerk reaction upon viewing Godzilla vs. Kong in IMAX? In IMAX, yes, we made our triumphant return to the movie theaters, and I'll tell you what, it was a joy. It was a joy to be there, especially for this huge event, the great anticipation for this movie, and I'll I'll tell you one thing, it delivered. It delivered. It was great to see these two monsters just go at it, and the CGI, I thought, so. I think it's a good debate on Twitter whether the CGI was good or bad. I think the overall sentiment is that it was good. I thought it was great. I thought particularly with the Mm -hmm. Kong character, it was phenomenal, where it actually was an emotional attachment to him. Uh, I I don't know if we're doing spoilers, but I won't spoil for right now, where he actually felt an emotional level uh, to Kong rather than Godzilla, and I thought they did a a tremendous job with that, especially with this fur-like structure, and then some of the spoiler-like things that I won't mention here that they do with Kong. I thought it was very interesting. And last thing I'll say before I pass it off to you, Dr. O, is that they gave us the slop. They gave us the CGI fight scenes. They gave us all the things that we wanted to see, not just just watching an entertaining film, but in IMAX, it gave, it delivered on their promise. And of this Kong versus Godzilla, uh, just fight of the century type deal. I thought it delivered on their promise. Um, not necessarily the greatest film of all time, but you got to just look past that and say, what did you, why are you watching this film? You're watching for the fight scenes. You're watching for these monsters to get after it. And we got that. Dr. Rowe, what do you think? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Them feeding us the slop. Uh, Director Adam Wingard knew what he was doing when he made this film. He had a nice vision for this movie. Would you imagine Godzilla vs. Kong? What do you want to see? Godzilla vs. Kong fighting, right? Or you want to see action. You want to see Kong scaling uh, scaling trees, scaling buildings, him swinging back and forth. You want to see Godzilla shooting fire out of its out of its mouth. Like you want to see it. They want to see the, these clashing of the clashing of these titans. So I think. The action did deliver. I think we were a bit spoiled and lucky to watch this on the IMAX screen. Um, I think that I was like thinking about like, what if I saw this movie on HBO Max? And I thought if I saw this on HBO Max, I would still think it's super 
cool to see these two Goliaths going at it, but to have the sounds going on, the IMAX screen, and I do think the CGI was fairly good in this movie. I mean, those who are complaining about it, like, I mean, you try and make a real-looking Godzilla. Like, it's, it's like, what do you what do you expect? So I think that, right. uh, and I think you nailed it with Kong. Like, you did feel an emotional attachment to Kong. And that's historically, when you think of King Kong movies, he's kind of like a softie deep down. Yeah. You know, that's Kong. Like, Godzilla mm-hmm. in this is, like, kind of like he's... I know we actually had Mecha Godzilla later on in this movie. Spoiler alert, but it's also in the trailer. But at the same time, Tap the 15 Godzilla's second rewind like, button. I'm just going to, I'm just, I, yeah. So I'm just going to do what I'm going to do. Like, I'm just going to, like, I, I have a job. I'm going to do that job, whether I'm evil or whether I'm good. Kong is like a bit conflicted at times. Even though he can't talk, I like the aspect that he knows sign language. And that goes with like, obviously, apes knowing sign language and everything like that. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll just go right into it. I think I think we should go deeper into the emotional touch this movie had because overall, I think it didn't have it other than Kong and his relationship with Gia, as I mentioned with the synopsis. Mm-hmm. And I think Gia actually was. I mean, I, there was a time I felt like I was like getting a little emotional. I was choking up at the end when she would, she thought Kong was like losing his uh, his heartbeat a little bit, and I thought yeah. Gia was actually the best acting that I saw in this movie. Definitely, I definitely agree with that. I thought she, the little girl, if uh, the audience you didn't know her name because I didn't know her name uh, until after the movie. Yes, I thought she was the best actor actress in the movie, and I think going back to the mm-hmm. Kong emotional level connection. This is, I guess, now that I'm thinking about it, you already gave the best examples that I was referring to in a spoiler alert uh, when I was going on my knee-jerk yeah, reactions. Sorry about that, audience. Yeah. Uh, but, hey, this is Godzilla Kong. Like, you're, you're watching for the fighting, not the story. And the story, believe me, makes no sense, kind of. And if it makes sense, you don't really understand it entirely, so it doesn't really matter. But I think another a- uh, aspect of this movie is when Kong is popping his shoulder back in with a skyscraper. Like, number one, that's just funny. And that's mm-hmm. when you'll like at the outside, you're just going to think, Oh, that's a funny thing that the uh, director did there. And the cinematographer did there just to be funny and just like, whatever. But I think that also goes to show that he's human. Like it's, it's kind of like a human element where like he can talk silent language, like Great. you said, but he also can pop his shoulder back in for a fight. So you can connect to him on an emotional level. Unlike Godzilla, where he's blowing fire out of his mouth and just is, a god-like character force. to these gods. Yeah, he's an unstoppable force. So I think that you were right on point there. Um, and like I said, the little girl was great. I think she was the best actress or actor in this whole thing. And that says a lot. <laughs> that says a lot. I know. And dude, it's kind of crazy when you look at it. Because like Kong, historically, he always, they, whenever they make a new King Kong movie, he has an emotional relationship with a 20 to 30 year old woman, whether it's Naomi Watts, whether it's Brie Larson, they always like kind of like Nicole play Kimmen. that trope over and over again. It was nice what they did here. Nicole, was it Nicole Kidman? But it's right. nice that they switched it up a bit, right? It's not replaying the same thing over and over again. You had to change it up, especially with a movie as big in scale as, uh, as this, you know, it's, I mean, so many people watching it too. We got 3.6 million, uh, million households actually watch King Kong, right? Stream King Kong from their household, which is the most for any movie all year, including Zack Snyder's Justice League, right? I believe so. That's yes. nuts. That is nuts. That's nuts. And you were right um, about Naomi Watts, by the way, my fault. Naomi Watts. Yeah, yeah, I figured. She does My look fault. similar. They got the same, like, white pasty skin. But I also yep. wanted to bring up when, like, Kong, like, he, when he pops out his shoulder, it just reminded me of, like, a guy in his, like, high 30s playing men's league basketball. And he's like, it's late in the game. I got to suck it up. We got no subs. 
this is what we got to do. <laughs> we got to get it done, right? Like I, I got, I got to be able to set this screen so I can have the high school stud like make make a three. You know, <laughs> I got to do what I can to make sure Earth survives this epic fight, or else Mecha, Mecha Godzilla is just going to go off. Um, I mean, I think one of the, I, I do want to talk. We're, we're kind of praising the CGI. We love the battle. We get the slow mo Kong like punching Godzilla and say, "Hey, he's got some fight in him." But there, I we. I think the audience can sense we do have a lot of criticisms for this movie. And I think one of them has to be with the fact that this was like a part of a universe and it kind of suffered from the fact that it was a part of a universe in terms of inclusion of characters, actors that didn't have to be there, kind of like trying to merge stories. What do you think of how uh, Wingard kind of combined the ideas of Godzilla, King of the Monsters, uh, Kong Skull Island into this kind of like culmination of a film? Wow, I think that's a phenomenal question. Um, I'm a little taken aback. That was a great question because I think that's something that people are overlooking right now. Thank you, thank you. I think the Millie Bobby Brown and that whole storyline was absolute trash. I think yeah, that's okay. one of the worst storylines I've seen in a decent film in a long, long time. And Millie Bobby Brown, obviously we're thinking Stranger Things. We're thinking she's actually a good actress, but in this, like, get out of my face. I didn't want to see any of that. Like I said in the beginning, give us the slop with all the fighting. We don't want to see anything else. And this, like, it was just terrible. And the fact that Kyle Chandler was in two scenes, maybe three in this movie, and that was it, that kind of just, like, takes away what they could have done, where they could have used an actual good actor to try to advance that human element not the the human element storyline, um, but they didn't. And it was just a waste of Millie Bobby Brown, a waste of Kyle Chandler, and also a waste of Fire Fist, our boy from Deadpool 2. Fire Fist. He, I, he, he was horrendous. Abysmal. He's abysmal. He was awful in this movie, and it was so sad to see him go from a huge box office success with Ryan Reynolds and Josh Brolin and Zaza Beats to this. Um, I know another huge blockbuster, but just a, such a step back in his career. I know he's so young, so it doesn't really matter. But it does matter really in the long term for his resume because a blockbuster like this, you don't really get every – you don't usually get a Deadpool 2 then this in, on your resume. You usually get one. When you get mm-hmm. two this early in your career, this is memorable. So that was a little step back for him. So, yeah, I think a great question. Like I said in the beginning, props to you. But that human element storyline was atrocious and no point whatsoever until the end of the movie when it still barely had an effect. This, this is where, like, uh, all movie universes, all franchises now, they, they fail in terms of trying to copy what the Marvel Cinematic Universe has done, where it's yes. like you can have a cameo, but the cameo has to be enough where it's moving the story along or it's enough to intrigue the audience. I know Millie Bobby Brown is in this movie because her name is Millie Bobby Brown. Like she's not literally, I I know we're kind of, we already went into spoilers a little bit. She contributes nothing to the actual story of this movie. Brian Tyree Henry. I actually love him as an actor. Check him out in widows. If you haven't seen him, I'm excited to see him in in eternals, but I thought he was such failed comic relief in this movie. And that's what podcasting that was was just a track to the uh, millennial trending. Like what's trending right now. Podcasting. And they, they wasted such a good actor on that. Mm -hmm. Like, 
Like they could have anything else. else. Yeah. Like put him alongside Rebecca Hall or something. Like oh, he, God. it was like you're just putting him like you're like recognition, like okay, Atlanta, Brian Tyree Henry, and then you're also got Julian uh uh what you forgot his last name, Firefist from Firefist from too. So I'm just like those they literally brought nothing for, to the table except distract Mecha Godzilla for literally a second. That was their point to the movie. Kyle Chandler is one of the most underrated actors, maybe of the last like 10, 15 years. Yes, and he's wasted in that. this movie but he's only included because oh he was in godzilla king of the monsters i'm gonna be honest i didn't even see godzilla king of the monsters i could care less if he was in this movie you know maybe if they reference him or something maybe he has but like they keep like going back to him he's not doing anything he's not doing anything yeah but in terms he, of like oh go ahead sorry well i think i'll just jump in real quick where i think that's a positive for this movie as in that movie uh godzilla king of the monsters where i i've, I've seen it not a great movie good action scenes but not nearly as good as this one but um i'll say like you don't have to see that movie to see this movie if you're still listening to us right now in this review i think Mm -hmm. that's a good good omen to this movie like props like you said props to this movie so i think that's actually a positive but it goes back to what you're saying about developing a franchise where you still have to incorporate the franchise elements with that kyle chandler with that millie byer brown and this film failed extremely with that and it goes to where there's no credit scenes in a Godzilla monster verse film. There's no credit scenes because they don't know where they're going next. Cause this was the culmination of it. And I don't know if you were going to, that was going to be a question or a point later on, Dr. O sorry if I'm jumping ahead, but I think that goes to the same point where they just don't know what's going to happen. And the fact that they culminated this human element storyline to this was bad. But again, I don't want to give it too much critique because we got what we saw. We saw Godzilla versus Kong. I'm happy. I'm happy with this movie. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 you brought up a great point in terms of like building a universe, no post credit scene. This is a monster verse and it really hasn't felt like a monster verse. Like it didn't feel like Kong was that connected to Godzilla other than the post credit scene in, in Kong Skull Island. Like there was like nothing, or maybe that was in Godzilla that I'm thinking of. But at the same time, you have these cameos from these actors and I already brought up the MCU. What they do is that even if they don't develop the story too much and they don't, they don't develop like, like they don't move it along in a way that's like supporting the plot. What they do is set a character up for their own series, for their own movie. Yeah, It's not like you watch this movie and you're like, Millie Bobby Brown's now going to have her own Godzilla movie. She already had that. Like, in other words, like Kyle Chandler's going to have his own movie. He already had that. Like, like there's no, this felt like the culmination. There felt like there is nothing left to explore, which I think is a criticism for an action movie, a franchise movie now, because they should have kind of made it clear maybe in the, uh, in the marketing for the film that this could be it. This could be it because now yes. this is succeeding. This is succeeding like, like, like box office wise, even during the coronavirus pandemic streaming wise, people are going to want more. And what are you going to do? Godzilla versus Kong two. I'm like, dude, they're already friends. Like, what are you going to do now? <laughs> like you have to like, think of a new monster. I know they probably have plenty in the catalog, but you've already hit the top. You already hit your Avengers Endgame. You've already hit your Godzilla Kong. Like you already hit the biggest of the right. big. You already got to your Thanos. So it's like, what do you do from here? So what do you, do you have any like predictions, what you think might happen? I don't have any predictions. I wish what they did is that they did more movies leading up to this, where it's like focusing on other monsters, maybe like a Mothra or a Gadira, something like King Gadira, something like that. But they didn't, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think it was. I think you hit the nail on the head where they just didn't advertise this correctly. Where although they advertised this well, as in 
bringing attraction to it, making trailers sure that good. it's an event. Trailers were good. Making sure people actually saw this movie that you talked about, like most streamed event so far in 2021, which is an accomplishment with you have, when you have the Snyder Cut, WandaVision, Falcon and the Winter Soldier coming out. So it's already a success. But just not knowing where you're going after this, and there's probably going to be a delay now. There's going to be a delay in the next MonsterVerse movie because they, don't have, they have no idea where they're going with this. I think that's a that's a loss. That's a huge loss to what they could have done, not just in a movie cinematic realm, but also money-wise. They could have made more money if right. they knew what they were doing. So I think that's a big loss. Um, I don't know. What do you think? What do you think? If, if they had a set plan, like if they, uh, the films, they weren't like the preceding films. They didn't feel that far apart, but they like they they, they did feel far apart. They I'm, did. That's what I'm they, trying they to did. say. They, they did. didn't like like when you look at the years, they they weren't far apart, but they felt so distant. Like they you didn't feel like a strong connection to them. And then Agreed. well, they, Kong like, Skull Island, Kong Skull Island was in 1973, and and right. just uh, three years earlier was the first movie in this monsterverse and Godzilla with Brian Cranston and Aaron Tyler Johnson. That was 2014, and the next film was Kong Skull Island, where that was a There's prequel. Just, but mm-hmm. not even a Godzilla, but it wasn't connected really, except saying the they word. They just said monarch. they were monsters. You said they were monsters. They're monsters, right? Yeah. So and it like, just it wasn't a good connectivity, like you're saying in this monster verse. So it goes to their planning and just the inefficiencies of it. Right, and like I'm happy that this succeeded because even if this is the last film, I'm okay with that. Like it doesn't have to be a, um, another film. Like maybe you know Godzilla and Kong, or they're going to be rebooted at some point. But at least you got to see them fight on a large scale. And the, what the, where this movie succeeded was the actual fighting, and it, that was it was a spectacle to see. And it's hard to like live up to those battles sometimes. You didn't just yes. have one final battle with Godzilla Kong. You saw throughout the movie those like monsters fighting. You had Mecha Godzilla fighting. You have a three-way fight. And you it was special to watch. And especially in IMAX, right there where I was talking about before, we were a bit spoiled. Um but what I do want to talk about, I think we both had a criticism like after the movie, is that how excuse me, I almost like coughed a little bit. But it's how <laughs> these fights ended. Where it's like the first fight in the sea uh, in the sea. Uh, with Godzilla and Kong, it's like Godzilla is getting beaten the crap out of as expected. He's down, and like everyone's like confused what to do because like Godzilla is this unstoppable force, and we we're already in spo- spoiler territory. So I'll just say it. They yeah. just say, "Let's play dead. Let's shut everything off. Terrible. Just pretend like we're not here, as if he can't see you, as if like Joe, just make him think like he's king." I'm like, "What? Like it's just like it, it didn't f- fit." the actual mood where he is just destroying everything in his path. Like nothing is stopping him and you just stop fighting and just like, I mean, that's like you're the little brother in a fight and you just like, like cringe and just like, don't do anything. Try and go to sleep. You think the older brother just stops fighting? Does the older brother just stop fighting? Just feel bad for you? (laughs) No. Like, it's just like that. I think that, that didn't fit. What was the other scene flicks? Do you remember? I think, I think the big one is, uh, um, a good way of actually not killing Go- Kong or Godzilla is bringing in another monster, Mecha Godzilla. Yeah. So that kind of ends that controversy. I think that's a perfect one where it's like, oh, that's a good way to get Distract. out of this, uh, this issue of not to kill somebody when we might have like 13 year olds watching or something like that. I think that was a perfect one. Right. And it almost like, and I, I know we talked about also, that was good. Where like Mecha Godzilla, you needed someone to split those two and like I, it kind of fell under the same blueprint as i'd said before uh to you off screen or off mic was 
Batman versus Superman. Batman versus Superman, you have these two titans fighting, and then you eventually have, right, Doomsday who comes in, Lex Luthor who brings him in to kind of, like, separate the two. But the thing about this movie, they advertised it so much that Godzilla and Kong are be fighting, they couldn't just have one scene of them fighting, right? So I kind of respect that Wingard was just like, I got to, like, feed the audiences. I got to give them Give this. us the slop. Everybody just wants to see these these dudes duke it out. That's, right. that's all anyone wants the to see. The axe. And so, he brought an axe to the fight. A right, and fight. I, I think that was cool because, like, everyone at the beginning was like, it's Godzilla can't compete. And then, like, I also thought Kong can't compete. when they went to the core, which is where the monsters are from and where Godzilla, where Kong is from, I thought that was pretty cool in, like, in terms of visually how it was, like, the anti-gravity. It's, like, reverse gravity, I should say. And uh, the reversals, like, the rocks, and then that kind of separates, like, these two different worlds within the core. You know what I'm talking about? Yes, so I but think. The- I, like visually, I thought that was cool. Yes, and it, like it just went beyond. Like, okay, it's not just about them fighting. It's like in terms of like if we're looking at like an action movie, right? And you're, you're talking about these creatures from different lands. I think they explored that like decently and look good on CGI as well. Why don't the, that world again? I, I completely agree with you, but why do monsters even leave the hollow world? Yeah, not explained. Why? Why don't? Why do they leave? It makes no I, sense. I guess that that's where they could go next, man. I think they can go next with the origin movie. If now maybe we're, discover we're... some new monsters, maybe and Kong kind of ruling over them. Yeah, I, I was know. gonna say. I was gonna say like you could do an origin story on Kong, but at the same time, you already built this Ooh, up so story. high, like an origin of Kong, his family, him on the throne. That's pretty good. good. You could that's do that, good. but at the same time, like you just did a Godzilla Kong movie. Like like you're gonna go revert back to just. It will never Kong. live up it's to just, those expectations. Yeah, it's, it's it's tough. I guess you could, but you just you have to admit at that time it's not gonna do as well. Um. All right, Ricky Flex. I think uh, we gotta throw out some scores here. Let's throw out some scores for Godzilla mm-hmm. Kong. What are you gonna give this one, Flex? So, again, I think going in, you knew it wasn't gonna be an unbelievable movie. You knew that it was a blockbuster with great anticipation, a big event. And I think you just need to go into it and just take it what it is. It's Godzilla and King Kong fighting and who's going to win. And they ended up bringing a different element with Mecha Godzilla. I thought it was, that was a good element. The way it ended was very, very questionable, but I thought Mecha Godzilla was a beast. They gave us what they wanted to see. I wanted, I keep saying it on the podcast so far, so I'm sorry to say it one more time, but I will give us the stop they did give it to us and they tried to explain everything like such as the hollow world the scars guard character development was in question that didn't go well but who cares don't worry about it i'm gonna give it a 72 out of 100 a 72 out of 100 higher than when i walked out of the theater um out of the theater i walked in with a little low score but i'm again just take it for what it is it was fun to watch and last thing i'll say before i pass it off to you rebecca hall not very good in this, I will say. She was too serious. She didn't take it for what it was. Her dialogue sucked. Her dialogue sucked. It was just like one-liners <laughs> that was like literally brief, just saying, it's Kong. It's Godzilla. It's Kong doesn't like, bound to no one. Yeah, and the way their delivery was not good either. But mm. I actually gave it a 72 as well. Like I, oh. I, I, I thought it was, um, like you said, like, the, like Wingard knew what he was doing when he made this movie. And he delivered on his end. He did. And I think he's going to be looked at as someone like for upcoming action movies. I believe he's doing the face-off sequel. And I think that could be... The Cage, uh, baby. So, well, hey, we got two more Titans going at it once again. Let's uh, go! Cage, Cage. But I also... Um, 
I agree with Skarsgård's character. They mention his like his brother who passed away on a mission to the core, and then like literally in his first scene, they never acknowledge it again. There was no emotional attachment to it at all. But what I will say is that the uh, the relationship between Kong and Gia was awesome. I thought that was very good. As I said before, I nearly cried like a baby, but I held it in. <laughs> um, they fed us the slop. I ate a whole bu- bucket of popcorn as, as I was watching. That means I was into it. doesn't mean I'm just focused on the popcorn, I swear to God. But I'm going to give it a 72. The action scenes made it well worth it. I wonder if my score would change if I saw an HBO Max, though. That's all I have to wonder. That's a great point. I don't know. But then again, I'm glad I saw it on IMAX. Great to be all back right. in the theaters. Couple of 72s out of 100 from Ricky Flicks and I. I'm now going to throw it to Ricky Flicks for our top billing of the greatest blockbusters in the last decade. Thank you, Dr. O. All right. Today's top billing is inspired by our review of Godzilla vs. Kong, the biggest theater blockbuster so far this year. So for today, we have the top billing of 2010 blockbusters. 2010s, the decade of 2010s blockbusters. This will be a sneak draft style. With well, last picks. decade. Wait, wait, wait. We include 2010? Uh, yes. Right? Oh, man. That changes to, us. Wait, it's the 2010s. So 2010 thought, through 2019, 10 years. Okay. I didn't know we were what doing were you thinking? that. 2011 through 2020? 2020s that's 2020 well, it's 2021 so i thought in the last 10 years we we're starting at 2011 oh you were in, well there's no films last i, I year can do some no, keep going, keep going. yeah i know i know i know but still yeah but, last year like 2020 like well that changes us so much the gentleman this changes everything okay go ahead <laughs> i think i know what you're thinking because that's but all right so it's 2010 Wait, through 2019 I, okay the 2010s all right this will be a snake's draft style, five picks. We don't have Nez here, so it's just Dr. O and myself. Once a movie is picked, it is off the board, no repeats allowed, okay? But Blockbuster, what's a Blockbuster? For this draft, here's what a Blockbuster is. It's a movie that's made over that made over $150 million at the domestic box office, okay? So the movie that was released in 2010 through 2019 made over $150 million in theaters, Okay. Also, no superhero or Star Wars films allowed because that's just too easy. And I think all you listeners know we would pick at least three or four superhero Star Wars films each. So those are out. Before we get going, Dr. O, now the controversy I think is over. I've just been thrown for a loop. I know it's really dumb of me to think that. I I thought last 10 years. We didn't say like – decades the 2010s I, I, I know but like now there's two that i've added to my list and arguably a number one pick arguably a number one pick has just been entered the fold i don't know whether to go like what the information wow. i just learned or how i prepare for this draft it's kind of like do i go with preparation or am i gonna do it i'm gonna am i gonna have to adapt my game plan as we go we'll have to see well i'll tell you one thing you have the first pick. I know. I know. You have and to determine now, the draft order in advance, and Dr. O has the first pick. This, and I mean, this is big. Blockbuster. I have to do this. Dude, I, I, so have to adapt the, I have to adapt the game plan. I'm going with Inception with the number one overall pick. 
Right. I have to go Inception because well, this is a non-blockbuster movie that felt like it could have been the like that could have it is a blockbuster, excuse me, a non-franchise movie. I meant to say that was like felt like it could have been the biggest of franchises. And when I think of Inception, obviously you got Nolan. You know what the most impressive thing about Inception is? It came out in 2010 after the Dark Knight, then pre-Dark Knight Rises. This came out in the middle of Nolan's Batman trilogy. Dude, and this is a, one of the most confusing movies that have, has ever hit the big screen. And then he was still able to craft a story like that. That's bananas, and it shows why Nolan is arguably the greatest director of our generation, right? Arguably the greatest of our generation. But this this movie had everything. It had the cast. When you think of a blockbuster, you need names. Oh, yeah, let's give you names here. Let's go Leo DiCaprio. Let's go Tom Hardy. Let's go Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Let's go Elliot Page. Yes, it's 2021. Uh who else we got? Marion Cotillard. We got little like we got Killian Murphy. It's just an unbelievable film with the best effects possible, the greatest in like on screen experience potentially I've ever seen in a theater. I have to go Inception with my number one pick. Strategy changed. Yeah, that was my uh, number three on my big board. I I knew that's what you were thinking right when you when I, when I said it and you your eyes glowed up. I think. I think what you said is true. Like, this is just unbelievable that no one, think about it. Batman Begins 2005. Some people think it's better than Dark Knight. I don't, I don't know if you do. Then 2006, he comes out with the prestige. So, and then 2008 is the Dark Knight. So he is already telling you, Hey, I can make great films during a franchise with the Batman, one of the greatest uh, franchises of all time. And then during that franchise, after The Dark Knight, what's the next film he does? Is the most complicated film of all time in Inception with Leonardo DiCaprio. So, Arguably, then you get Tenet made this year. Yeah, right, Sorry. exactly. So I think it's a phenomenal blockbuster and a phenomenal pick. So kudos to you for changing your strategy. Inception for Dr. O made um, $292 million at the domestic box office. Yes. Now it goes to me. Ricky Flicks for uh, My Snake. This is a tough one, folks. I'd be shocked I think, if you didn't take what I think you're taking. I think I'm going to throw you in for a loop, actually. Um, so for my first pick, I think people think it should have won Best Picture at the Oscars. And it barely meets the threshold here for $150 million as it made $153 million at the domestic box office. And that's what should have been the first pick in my eyes in Mad Max Fury Road with Tom Harley and Charlize Theron. They're making mm-hmm. a spinoff movie from this movie because it was so good and it was an action movie that was already a successful franchise back in the 80s and Tom Hardy and Therese Theron just killed it so much that, and George Miller obviously that they're making a spin-off movie of it and people think this action movie that made that makes sense but like this apocalyptic world in the desert that's surrounding cars and da- and guitars my alarm's going off again for the second straight podcast uh, alarm o'clock at night folks <laughs> and uh, the guitars going during a chase down in the desert with these monster trucks. Like this ridiculous film should have won best picture. I think that just says enough where this blockbuster is a masterpiece by George Miller and is well-deserved at the number two, let alone what I would have picked as my number one. This was my number five. Just It was my number five, but like this is different than just saying 
because I'm thinking a blockbuster. I'm thinking about my theater experience. I'm thinking about my enjoyment. If it's a franchise, how much do I enjoy the franchise? That as a standalone, like that as a film itself, probably could have gone number one. Absolutely. And I'm still comfortable my, with my Inception pick after that number two pick. I, I, I think those go like Mad Max Fury Road. The franchise happened in the 80s and the set, like literally with Mel Gibson in the 80s and 70s too, late 70s, that you kind of like kind of forgot about it. And then George Miller kind of took that as an opportunity. Let me like kind of showcase this to a newer audience. And I think he nailed that aspect. As you mentioned, iconic Nicholas Holt with, the, uh, was it Nicholas Holt with the guitar? No, I yes. mean, I don't know if Oh, no, not with the guitar. But no, he no, was no. he it. was like a cat. He was like, yeah. So it was uh, that man with the guitar rocking out but i think the cinematography of that movie is pretty wild too charlize theron is an absolute monster as furiosa there's so much so as you, as you mentioned we got a spinoff of furiosa coming with anya taylor joy chris hemsworth and yaya um yeah I've, i'm perfectly comfortable with you taking that that's a good pick i think so i think because i'm i'm just delaying here my second pick because i think that that's the best best movie yeah it's a blockbuster I in this so, decade too. So I think I had to pick it since you didn't. Yeah, I think so. But now I think it goes to where do you go? Do you go popularity-wise or do you go film-wise? Or what I'm thinking with blockbusters is like best theater experiences. Me too. And it's gotta right be, now – It's got to be a blend of all three. That's what I'm going to do. It's a, a blend. A, right. And I think the best blend for me might be controversial, but it's going to be Skyfall. Okay. Yeah, that's what I, I was going to take my next pick. I, I think that's the best blend and the best, in my eyes, I know people like Casino Royale, I think it's the best James Bond movie of all time, as in Skyfall. I think Javier Bardem kills it. Let alone, I think this is Daniel Craig's best performance as James Bond. I think the story is spot on. And Skyfall, Adele, the song's great, but the actual theater experience, you're from the start of the Adele song in the opening credits to the end, which... I think nobody saw coming. Nobody. And if you haven't seen it, Best I won't Bond spoil song it. Of a Bond song of all time, in my opinion. Agreed. Agreed. And Bond's known for their, th- for their songs. And I won't spoil the end, but I did not see the end coming. Um, I think it's almost a perfect Bond film. I think it's the best Bond film of all time. And I think I have to take it in this draft. And I don't know if it would come back to me. And you said you would have taken it with your next pick. So I'm glad I did. Yes. Uh, I mean, to me, it's the best uh, Daniel Craig movie. I know you're going to have those Casino Royale fans. Casino Royale is also an excellent action movie, and I wish it qualified for this, but we'd, we'd have to be going back 14, 15 years. Um, yeah, I can't, I, can't, I can't disagree with the pick. I was going to – I honestly, until I had Inception, like I was forced to take it, and when you said 2010, I was going to take uh, Skyfall as my number one. Wow. I was going to take Skyfall as my I number praise. one. So yeah, I like I did like I think that's also the that was an emotional touch to Daniel Craig's character. He was such a physical specimen during Casino Royale, Quantum of Solace, and now like, okay, let's this could be it, right? Casino mm-hmm. like Skyfall almost felt like it could have been it, like they could have ended Daniel Craig's character. He might have should have. Yeah, and uh, like I wouldn't have blamed him. He like yeah, that'd be going out on a high note. Hopefully, we got something better coming with No Time to Die, although it's gonna be tough to beat. But you know, Magic of Honor, the Armors, we'll see. My second time taking Skyfall, I took it in the English movie stuff draft. Second time taking it here. Great pick. Off to you. Two picks here. I'm going to go. All right. We're going to go with a movie that grossed 
2018, $220 million domestically. I'm going to go with the, maybe the greatest action movie I've ever seen in theaters. I know I just talked about, um, I just talked about Inception, but I'm going to go with Mission Impossible Fallout. Mission Impossible Fallout. I still don't think it gets the love that it deserves. As the, like Once again, talking about blockbusters, recognizable franchise there, not Star Wars. It's already the most successful action franchise since James Bond that's not a Star Wars or superhero related. It's that good. Um, Tom Cruise, one of the best action stars of all time. You have Henry Cavill, who's like building himself to be one of the greatest action stars of all time. He is Superman. And, well, at least he is currently. Uh, I think of Henry Cavill rolling up the sleeves, throwing some guy through a window. I think of Tom Cruise running and breaking his leg on, on top of rooftops. I think of him like crashing helicopters, like insane action sequences. And it's just more impressive. And I love how like the audience knows that Tom Cruise is actually doing this stuff. He's actually acting like a madman, like in this role, Ethan Hunt, absolute legend mission impossible follow. I think it's easily the best movie in that franchise and it's slept upon still, even though it gets the most love out of all of them. The whole franchise is somewhat slept upon. But I'm going to go with Mission Impossible Possible Fallout as my next pick. So I think this is my number four. And this is the one I was debating with taking instead of Skyfall. I don't think it's as good of a film. That's why I took Skyfall instead. And also the James Bond aura around it is why I took it. But I think Mission Impossible is the greatest action s- series or franchise of all time. I know it's a all time of all time. And I'm not including star Wars in that or superheroes. I think gotcha. it's the best action franchise of all time. And I really don't hesitate saying that. And I'm a huge John wick fan as well. And I know Indiana Jones is phenomenal, but I think mission impossible where they've done these last three movies. I don't want to spoil picks, but I think it's unbelievable what they've done and fall. I remember Dr. O and me, and we brought my dad, our dad to see this movie in theaters, even though he's, I don't even know if he's seen more than one Mission Impossible movie for more he than 20 minutes on show. cable. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. So I remember because I said, I said, this is my birthday. We're going to see this. And he goes, I don't know. I'm like, we're going to see this. And I think Dr. Rowe actually paid for the tickets to get him to get off his butt and see this movie. And he went away with this movie saying that was an unbelievable theater experience. And we sat like second row because we got our tickets really late. And he said that was unbelievable. And he hates sitting in the second row or let alone didn't fall not the very once. back rows. And he didn't fall asleep or check his phone, which is a miracle. So, it's a long movie. It feels like an epic almost. But um, yeah, and I just think this is literally the quintessential blockbuster when you think of blockbusters in the late 2010s and just any time recent now. And last point I'll say is the Henry Cavill uh, – little uh rolling up the sleeves and yeah exactly uh like doing the fake punches to the ground like to get him ready to face tom cruise that was the most anticipation that we've had non-superheroes or star wars wise in so long that trailer was unbelievable i'm doing a blog right now working on a blog best trailers of the 21st century that might make it now that i thought about it because you have to have Henry Cavill rolling up the sleeves. Then also Superman, um, Superman also, rolling yeah. up the sleeves. And then also, yeah. And then I, I don't the want to give King. away. Yes. I don't want to give away like his character, but like, it, it's all like he's, his character's fa- his fascinating development of that in that movie. And like the reveals and stuff like that. Awesome. Um, but also the song in the trailer, the, uh, you're done oh. with the sickness. No, that, that, <laughs> that was the sickness. Dragon. No, it's yeah, it's Magic Dragons. Dragons. 
Yeah, it's like get down to business. It's like really, it matches up perfectly. It's like down out and out and out and out. Like I don't so know how to good. do it. Oh it's my so god, good. great point. All time trailer, all time clip there with Henry Cavill in the bathroom with Tom Cruise. I used to work wow. out to that song because of that trailer. Unreal. But uh, I'm trying. To, I'm trying to notice a trend, like music's and trailers. That's I, I ended up like adding to my workout playlist. So I'm like, that makes a good trailer. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Are you gonna do Zack Snyder Hallelujah? <laughs> Next no, 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 no. He, he took away a Icky Thump. I, I was listening to Icky Thump after the Justice League trailer, oh. the initial one with Joss Whedon, because they had like, it was like the song in it. And then like, yeah, Aquaman spike in the bottle. Mm-hmm. Obviously the movie didn't turn out well, but the song is awesome. It's a banger. All right, Dr. O, your third pick. All right, I'm going to go with another franchise movie. We can't pick Star Wars. We can't pick superheroes, but we could pick Wizards. I'm going Harry Potter and Deathly Hollows Part 2. I have to. Um. I couldn't let this movie get to a th- like the fourth round because when you think of blockbusters, you think of franchises, you think of Batman, you think of Superman, you think of Spider-Man, you think of Star Wars. And I think in this day and age, you automatically think of Harry Potter as well, right? Eight movies deep. Everybody forgets like Harry Potter and Deathly, Deathly Hollows Part 2 was an absolute banger. Like it was so good. It's like must watch whenever I see it on sci-fi uh tnt not tnt but you know it's on cable on like four different channels and then they play this probably once every one and a half months i would say maybe less um it was like the first ever culmination it was like it almost felt like avengers endgame did but like on a lesser level on a smaller scale but it almost but it was still massive it's still like it made a billion dollars like it's still an incredible movie and even though it was even yes even though it's um it got split up that last book, that last film, part one, part two, part two itself stood alone, like could completely stand on its own. It was so good. I'm glad it's not associated with that first one, to be honest. Um, and like the battle of Hogwarts at the end. And I think we talked about it on a previous episode where it was hinting at different parts of every single movie. It was incorporating characters from uh, the Sorcerer's Stone all the way through Deathly Hollows. It was like as a fan and as a Harry Potter, like stand, right? I'll say that word. You just cringe, but I have to put this one. I had to draft it. It arguably like if you, some people would take this, like it's number one in their draft. They, they had to have Harry the hardcore Potter. stands. Yeah. Hardcore stands would stand. Harry Potter stands <laughs> enough, enough, but Harry Potter and the deathly Hallows part two is my third round pick after fallout. That was my fifth overall. I think so. Obviously the fifth pick of this draft, I think that's the perfect spot for it. Um, $380 million domestic box office in 2011, I think. Really? Again, That's it? Domestic, domestic. I know, but still, I think it would, I thought oh. it would be more. How about England? Well, made, I wonder what England Yeah, made. it made triple. It, well, yeah, it made triple that uh, combined uh, internationally. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I think exactly what you said. Comparing it to Endgame is the right comparison. There's no other comparisons for it, especially with it's a book that was like the most popular book of its generation being turned into the most popular movie of or build up for that was insane superheroes yeah the build up was insane and the magazines i was looking at it's like before social media i'm looking at like these like i wasn't old enough for social media i'm like opening up like like entertainment magazine and they're like they're like doing this guessing game which which harry potter character is gonna die who died in the books and who's gonna die in the movie like that was huge it was like end game where you're like guessing what superhero is gonna make it out of there like right. suicide squad right now you're like who's not gonna make it because you know people are dying you know stuff is going down right so i think it was a great pick i think it was right where it should be harry potter seven part two perfect now off to me so 
I know Dr. O already took a Christopher Nolan film, but I know I some of our listeners here are going to be like, that wasn't the one that they would have gone with. That wasn't the one that they would have gone with because it's not in space. And that's Interstellar <laughs> <laughs> coming off Matthew McConaughey, coming off an Oscar win, going with a Christopher Nolan film. And a surprise cameo that I won't say because it was spoiled for me. And I still will never forget that. Literally one of the biggest spoilers ever ruined for me was in this movie. But it didn't make an effect because this movie was phenomenal. Especially on a blockbuster movie theater experience. Any space movie is great. But this one, the mind twisting, mind bending. Literally you can't understand it. But you know it's amazing. And at the end you do kind of understand it unbelievable movie made over 180 million dollars domestic don't know how it didn't make at least double that interstellar for me is the pick here nice um yeah i like it was on my big board it was like my number four like it it was on number four and that's before i knew i could draft inception interstellar is one of my favorite movies in general like it like people say it's confusing yes a tad but it's so entertaining that you get past that point sometimes it's not like tenant where it's like you're left in a little bit of confusion and you're like you kind of give up on the movie like it's like you still have the amazing effects you still have the incredible acting from mcconaughey and hathaway like you have these things pay off like the entire time and then it has the emotional touch man they're like oh don't leave me murph don't leave me murph oh no <laughs> don't let me leave Murph oh. and then, was, then when he's crying like in the in the ship and everything like looking at the farewell absolute uh banger of a movie and needed to be drafted Nolan is a king and this was uh one of Casey Affleck's last movies before Manchester by the Sea uh mm-hmm. and his Oscar wins so that's uh, Chalamet very interesting Chalamet Michael Caine Jessica Chastain like his cat and I won't go with a spoiler like it was yeah, don't, don't me, but uh Unbelievable flick. I think I, I think it was kind of a steal getting it sixth. Um, and I'm happy where I got it. So Interstellar for me. And I get one more here in the fourth round. First pick of the fourth round. I'm going to go a little. I, th- I don't know if this is going to be on your top ten, Dr. O, but I'm going to pick it now just in case. This is my favorite movie theater experience, I think, oh, no. in the last five years easily. I know, it's and it's Get Out. Get Out. Get Out, 2017, $176 million. Jordan Peele's first, before this is before another movie that I won't spoil because it's also eligible for this. It's Get Out for me. The all-time, like, recency bias, sure, but it was 2017, so that's still kind of, like, four years ago. Like, that's still a long time. This movie, I think, trans, like, made people go back to the theaters a little bit. This is like this experience of Get Out. Like you're hearing, oh, you got to see this movie. It's 99% of Rotten Tomatoes. It's Jordan Peele, the guy from Key and Peele. It just knows comedy. And it's just this thriller, mystery, suspense with a twisting ending. It's unbelievable. And you just go, really? Jordan Peele? Like the guy in Key and Peele, like from those skits about the football player celebrations and the uh, BYU John Smith characters? Like unbelievable. But this movie is unbelievable like blockbuster i think this is the best blockbuster in the last five years non like action movie um by far i need it on my board so get out that movie had a shock factor to it for sure um i remember the first time i saw it you can kind of see where the story was going but like i'm talking about like key and peel jordan peel 
He's doing horror movies, and not only he's doing horror movie, he did a kick-ass horror movie. And that's man, we brought up trailers earlier. I think I'm gonna have to put this one. One of the greatest trailers of the 21st century. You had no idea what was going on in that movie. You had no idea, and it, like the intrigue that it set in for the audience is. I mean, that's, that's, it was incredibly high. Like I, like I was, uh, I was fascinated by this idea and you didn't even know what it was yet. Um, Daniel Kaluuya was awesome in it. Uh, the supporting cast is incredible. Whether we go with um, the dad, I, I wish I had the cat. I don't have the cast in front of me, but like, this boy, uh, Lakeith Stanfield. Darren McGavin, Darren McGavin. No, not Darren McGavin. God dang it. What's his name? But uh, like uh, them, like the, the brother, like the brother I thought had an incredible performance. I know you're pulling it up right now, saving me a bit, but. Well, Bradley Woodford's movie, the dad. I, I, Bradley sorry. Woodford. I said Darren Woodford, McGavin. Yeah. That's like Billy Madison's actual dad in the movie. But yeah, Bradley Whitford. And Caleb and, Jones uh, is the, the son. Caleb Jones is an up and coming actor. I think personally, he'd be, he'd be like, he's such a wild card. He could be, I could see him playing like a Joker or something. He's crazy. But, uh, or like some type of villain or antagonist. Like a carnage type, movie. even though Woody Harrelson's got that. Like he, he, he's, he was so nuts in that movie. And the, the third act was phenomenal, right? With the escape and everything. Uh, great pick. Uh, it's, I have something in the similar vein, I guess. All right. Well, it's off to you. You get your last two picks here. Go for it. Uh, I'm going to save that pick because I want it in the fifth round, but I'm going to go. I'm going to go with The Martian. Ridley Scott, you think of him directing blockbuster movies. Uh, I think of Matt Damon, an ensemble cast, Shuetel Ejiofor, Jessica Chastain, uh, Michael Pena, Jeff Daniels, Childish Gambino. Like, like it is a stacked cast. Um, it was a movie – like, this one was like – I was kind of questioning whether – this is more of like a awards movie for critical acclaim awards season. I'm looking at the box office, dude. It made $630 million in the U.S. This movie was sort of a phenomenon. And it was kind of – it was like – it was based on the best-selling book, Andy Weir. I, I think Andy Weir is actually writing another book that's going to be based upon a movie as well. Um I think Matt Damon – some people think he got robbed of an Oscar that year. I think that was – twenty. that's when Leo won. Am I right? I think Revenant, no. Leo, twenty, both twenty fifteen. Oh, sure, both twenty fifteen movies. Revenant and was Revenant twenty sixteen? Am I wrong? Uh, Revenant was twenty sixteen. Oh, that was the same year. Wow. I was thinking that. It was, I think. I think Matt Damon. People were t- talking about him being an under like a dark horse for uh, best actor. Uh, he's so likable, and this is like he plays the most likable dude of all time. With uh, uh, what is the what is the uh, the guy who works with flowers? Uh, botanical like bo- bo- botologist what botanist. is botanist works with flowers works with botanist. Botanist. Bot- botanist i'm so and it was botanist. leo's year so, you're I'm right i'm so dumb i'm so dumb but like if leo wasn't going for uh, <laughs> if leo wasn't going for like his eighth oscar and then like it was for the revenant he honestly could have won for any other role besides revenant it was kind of like an honorary thing i thought matt damon was an absolute monster and it didn't get a ton of screen time but i loved the actual set on mars too i thought it looked awesome cinematography was sick and the dialogue between the characters i thought was pretty engaging and entertaining so i'm gonna go with the martian as my fourth rounder i think that's a good pick i will disagree with you on the best act best actor even though he kind of threw in like a castaway type role where he's on the screen for the entire film so you kind of like yeah. have to appreciate mm-hmm. that i do think in that year besides leo i know i said on this podcast i know we've, this is the 31st episode at least five times i said michael fassbender steve jobs is still one of the best acting performances i've ever seen that's awesome 
I will still take that any day over that movie. But I, I, ne- I don't think Matt Damon necessarily should have won. I'm just saying that. That's what people oh, okay, say. Okay. That's what people say. So I'm like, yeah. I'm thinking about drafting. I'm thinking like The Martian. That was a bigger phenomenon than I, than like but, okay. I initially thought. So I'm glad you said that. But going back to the movie and this draft as in 2010 block bust, 2010's blockbusters, space movie, I think this is like the next one behind Interstellar. There's another one that could be drafted. I yeah, don't think you're going to draft it. Um, no. All right, then if you're not, I'm just going to say it then. Gravity, that doesn't come close. I hate when people throw that in the same mix as these two movies, so as Interstellar and so Martian. Slow. Just not even close. George Clooney and Sandra Bullock don't even come close to these two performances, as in McConaughey and Damon. Just get that out of my face. So I think this is a good pick. Not in my top 10, but just outside my top 10. Um, great pick. And I think um, – uh, I was, about, I was about to say something. I totally forgot. Uh, it's one of the most rewatchable movies, I think, in recent memory. I think I think The Martian, it's one of those movies. Yes. Where, like, sometimes you get sick of a lot of acting, those movies that are awarded like eight different, nominated for eight different Oscars, and you're kind of sick of how like pretentious they are. This one didn't feel like that. It just feels so rewatchable. I think that's all. It's an ultimate cable movie. It's always yeah, on cable. Like, I'll, you I'll always watch it. Yeah, once it was released on cable, it was just going to, it was a runaway train. You weren't going to stop FX from not showing that bad boy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm on to my last pick. I'm going to go a horror route. And I thought this is where you were going to go. I'm actually going to go a quiet place with my my last round pick. Interesting. I'm going to go with a quiet place. I did not see this in theaters. I did not see this in theaters. You missed uh, out, man. But you I missed think, out. I think, I think it is one of the top three best horror movies in the last 10 years, for sure. Uh I don't want to give away the other one I was going to say, but I think Get Out is right right next to it. I think A Quiet Place it gets better like the more I watch it. And the, like John Krasinski's awesome, Emily Blunt is awesome. The monsters are epic, right? The idea, the concept of the movie is so strange. And when you think about blockbuster movie, you don't expect not to hear anything for ninety percent of it, you know. And so I think the the uniqueness of the idea, I wanted to go like a little bit of a wild card in the last spot, but since you took already a horror movie, I'm going to go with it to kind of match up with you. I'm going to go with the, A Quiet Place as my fifth round pick. What a debut, directorial debut, I should say, by Krasinski. You not seeing in this in this in theaters, I think. Like I, I wish we did a little like asterisk saying didn't see this movie in theaters because this movie is unbelievable. I know, just I like Get Out. But this one, I would say, like Get Out was a better movie, so I think that was the pick for me and like above A Quiet Place. But in theater wise, it was shocking how quiet a theater can be when you're supposed to be quiet in a theater. I will never forget yeah. seeing this movie. I saw this in like a 400 person theater um, in uh, Manchester, England, and I saw this with one of my buddies on like a Tuesday night. But it was still like packed, packed to see this movie, and it was a. Uh, the Tuesday before it came out, I don't know why it came because uh, it comes out on a Thursday. But England somehow, like at least the theater I w- I would go to, always got movies the day a few days before they actually came out. Don't ex- don't ask me why. I don't know why. But I've never heard a theater so quiet in my life mm-hmm. during this movie, and that really amplified the experience of this movie. Seeing it in theaters unbelievable your senses were on cloud nine like you're just like you're you're wait you're like just so, right. so aware it made of you so on. focused so yeah. uh, it was unbelievable intense it's an intense experience probably and then uh i won't spoil anything but near the climax of this movie really amplified that experience and that silence and it was phenomenal um 188 million dollars domestic box office in 2018 phenomenal movie 
Um, it's a great pick. It's a great pack. Pack, packs an emotional punch too, and especially from the get go, and it carries all the way through. Got a sequel. Loves, loves. It got a sequel. That's how good it was. Yeah, right. And successful. And I don't, I don't think. I don't think topics. they were anticipating that. I really don't think they were anticipating that. And it really was something special. And it was interesting to see a dynamic of an actual husband and wife in that type of situation um, with Emily Blunt, John Krasinski. But that's my last pick. That's a great pick. I. Now have the last pick, Mister Miss Irrelevant. Since I already pick a horror era, uh, horror thriller genre, I'm not going to go double. I'm going to try to diversify my portfolio portfolio here. Diversify my team of movies. Since I had the last pick, I, I could say what movie I would have picked. I would have picked it if Get Out was picked by you. Really? Uh, yeah. I had another horror movie. Um. It three hundred twenty-eight million dollars in twenty seventeen made more money than both the core movies that we talked about. But I'm gonna go an animated movie. The first one off the board here, Toy Story three. First movie in twelve years, or I think twelve, no eleven, eleven years in this probably the greatest animated franchise of all time, and the Toy Story franchise. Toy Story three might some people say it's the best out of the franchise out of the four films i think it's the i think i personally think it's the second best i think this movie is phenomenal made 415 million dollars in 2010 and i think that's that is the highest that is the highest amount domestic box office that was picked in this draft which is telling i think for a blockbuster draft and again the nostalgia factor really carries with this movie and i think that carries more than any of the other picks except maybe the harry potter pick by dr Rowe in the third round so i'm gonna go toy story three as my last pick here that's a good pick i like honestly i like as i said before 2010 there's two movies that jumped out at me i didn't scroll down long enough to see uh, that toy story three is on that list but um that's a good pick it's arguably the best as as a 90s kid i won't say it is the best just out of like pride that i have <laughs> but uh i think it's a it's a special movie talk about packing an emotional punch uh and then you had the villain i mean what, what's his name again lotso 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 is absolute monster one of the one of the most intimidating villains we've had in movies in the last 20 years i'd say one of one of one of, one of the most evil heartless people heartless figures or creatures toy it's a good pick uh i would have picked it if it was on there honestly I just didn't. I just didn't recognize. That was my fault. Would have made the big board. Yeah, but before we go to honorable mentions, let me just read off the list here. Doctor O has Inception, Mission Impossible, Fallout, Harry Potter Seven Part Two, so Deathly Hallows Part Two, The Martian, and A Quiet Place. Ricky Flicks has Mad Max Fury Road, Skyfall, Interstellar, Get Out, Toy Story Three. Doctor O honorable mentions. Um, I had a few. I Kingsman. I'm a big fan of Kingsman. I wasn't gonna draft it among these movies. It's not near. I don't think it's on on par. It was a surprise hit at the box office, but it doesn't belong alongside James Bond movies, alongside Harry Potter movies, alongside Inception. It doesn't belong there. Um, man, I, none of us picked Planet of the Apes, dude. None of us picked Planet of the I Apes. I know. Uh, I know. I also uh my number six movie that I just didn't draft. I is Creed. I didn't take Creed. I should have. I didn't. Creed was it was a there. great movie theater experience. I should have take. I should have took Creed. Creed instead of The Martian. Now I'm looking at it. But um, 
horror wise, I wanted to draft us. I really like that movie. That movie, movie is crazy. It's an absolute banana. But movie. I picked Get Out, so, so and I think Get Out yeah. is a superior film and superior blockbuster right. movie. So, so I, I, I couldn't go. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Um, in terms of the comedy realm, I was gonna take Ted. Ted's a good one. Ted, Ted would have been good. Uh, I'm a big Dunkirk guy. 2017. Um, John Wick. No one took a John Wick movie. Um, I think John Wick one didn't qualify. Yeah, I was gonna say, and I didn't want to take John. I, I did really like John Wick two and three. Same. I actually really like John Wick two. Like I'm a most big John people Wick II say guy. John Wick two is the best. It's so good. But I, just, I, was, I, was, I, was, I was thinking about it. I was too afraid. I was too afraid. And also, just I, take like, it a, a movie that had like. John Wick Two, like I know, Toy Story Three is a little different because it was nominated for an Oscar, factor, like for first picture, Oscar. You know? mm-hmm. Um, and one that made a ton of money that we just like, I think we're never going to touch was Bohemian Rhapsody. That was a. I thought ne- if Nez was on this, I thought he was going to pick it. I thought if Nez was on, he was going to take Baby Driver. That made over 150 million. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think it did. Wow. We'll, we'll have to. I'll double check right now. Yeah, double check while I go through my honorable mentions. I mentioned it. It was my eleventh that just went off. I decided since I already picked Get Out, I picked. Uh, I didn't. I decided to diversify. But some other ones: Incredibles two, Incredibles two made. I wasn't going to take that. Six hundred million dollars in the domestic box office. I didn't love yeah, that. That's that the billion dollar movie. Yeah, right. Made a billion dollars uh, worldwide. I just didn't love the film. At, well, I liked the film a lot. I just Toy Story three, I loved, so I had to pick that over that. Um, American Sniper, American Sniper. People forget that was an event too back in twenty fourteen. Made three hundred fifty million dollars. Three hundred fifty million dollars. I saw it in the. Film. I remember seeing it in the same theater as you. We were sitting with different people, and, and it wasn't was even like, the opening weekend, and it was packed. Yeah, like you had to like nuts. reserve a ticket. Like we, like I had a couple to weeks in like advance the, to get the next weekend. I had to sit in like the front three seats. It was crazy. Oh, the front terrible. three rows. Um, a couple others. Godzilla 2014 would not have picked, but I just wanted to call that out since this we're doing this in honor of Godzilla Kong. That was 2014, 200 million dollars box office. Another animated film, Lego Movie. Yep. Lego Movie back in 2014 also 257 million dollars. Lego Movie made. The Lego Movie Batman made also like around 200 million, but uh, I wasn't going to pick that. I just think that's crazy how that those two movies make so much money. I agree. And I also wanted to say for like, don't pick Jurassic World. Which that was going to be my next one. I'd say Jurassic mm-hmm. World. Made a I ton of that... money, but it just, it just wasn't as good as the original. So you know? a quick story for the audience here. It's the 2015 $650 million box office domestic. I saw this with some friends opening weekend. I said, wow, I think I like this better than Jurassic Park. I saw it the next weekend with Overreaction my family. Monday. I, exactly. I saw it the next weekend with my family, and I said, I don't know how I said that, but I still like this movie a lot. Then I saw it on cable whenever it came out on cable, and I said, wow, this movie's kind of trash, even though it's not. Not, like, not rewatchable. It's, it's not, not rewatchable. Like, I, uh, I kind of regret that. But then again, like the theater, my first theater experience opening weekend – was awesome seeing this in 3D or IMAX. I forget which one I saw it in, but wow, it was awesome. I will say that. And it was the fourth highest movie. I had similar sentiments. Like I I I, I was gonna say I had similar sentiments. Like I, I literally thought the same thing. I said this is one of the best action movies I've ever seen in my life. Right. And then as I kept watching it, I'm like, this is 
just subpar. And the acting is so bad, and the kids are unbearable. Oh. It's, like, it's pretty bad. And like you think Chris Pratt, he's going to be in the next because the next year he's in Guardians, right? You think, oh, he's going to be in the Mar, he's going to lead a, a Marvel franchise, and all this is going in like Parks and Rec. You're thinking this and that, and you you get so hyped up for it, you think you you get blindsided. But now I'm thinking, all right, no, that can't I, that can't be picked here. But I have to at least mention it because it's the fourth highest movie. Uh, for bo- domestic box office of the decade. So someone had to mention it. And that kind of goes along with two other movies that I would never have picked. But just to say, no one picked Lion King or Jungle Book. And no one picked a Fast and Furious movie. I did like Jungle Book. That was a great theater experience. Mm-hmm. John Favreau. Was no, I, no way in hell I was going to pick a Fast and Furious movie. I hate that franchise in the past. You hate it. I hate it. They're fun. I, 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 I like I like Too Fast, Too Furious, and the Fast and the Furious. Everything else can kick mm-hmm. rocks. Tokyo Drift sucks, but I like saying anytime I'm playing like Mario Kart, Tokyo Drift. Oh, I'm I mean, like if, grits. I, if I can play, no, oh yeah, if I play Grits, like my life be like, I'll I'll play that. Right. You know, that's just one of the best like movie incorporations. I think of Bow Wow and Lucas Black going down an elevator and seeing the flyest cars. You know, right. Um, and one last one, I, w- I just want to say because. We mentioned the thriller suspense. It's not a horror movie, but it did make over $150 million. It made 167. That's Gone Girl, David Venture. One of my yeah, favorite I, movies of all time, but I would never have picked it, but it didn't make, it would have been eligible for this draft. I just don't think it falls in the category. Same. I just don't think it falls in the category. That's where I thought like, the Martian might've been like not fit in the category, but then I saw it's a space much, movie. Yeah. But space then I saw how, automatic. It, and then I saw how much money it made. And I was like, Holy crap. That's a blockbuster. Yeah. You know, but I think that rounds us out here for top billing of 2010's blockbusters. Dr. O, round us out. All right, Ricky Flex. That will conclude this episode of the Drive-In Podcast. Thank you for listening, and please leave us a review wherever you are listening to this, and then rate us five stars. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, at the Drive-In Pod. And we are also on Facebook and YouTube as the Drive-In. Check out our blog on a daily basis. Me and Ricky Flex have been pumping them out recently. The gift guide's been mm-hmm. all over the video game. So follow us on a daily basis at thedriveinpod.com. Uh, that is episode 31, and we will smell you. Later.